Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston FFC Podcast, where we coach you in the Word. We pray that you're doing well from wherever you're listening, studying, and downloading, that God is blessing you in a great way. Uh, we want to welcome you to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministry.com, ffcuma.org, or through Family Fellowship Chapel's direct messaging. Today we go into session two of how have we determined to disapprove of the man and the works of the man who was approved by God. So we're into session two. Our text comes from Acts chapter 2 and verse 22. Before I pray, let me remind you of my book, I Surrender, available through Amazon or in your local bookstores. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get into the word. Father, we thank you for opening our eyes that we can see, our ears that we can hear, and our heart that we can understand what the word of God is saying to us. And then, Father, may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us. May the Holy Ghost reveal what it is that we need to know, do, understand, and demonstrate. And may we receive it and release it to your people. From this, may we be corrected, led, and guided into deeper truth. May we come into a greater understanding of what it is that you require of us and how we might better minister to your people. We'll give you praise and honor and glory for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen and amen. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you all, as ye yourselves also know. We're talking about the probability that man has determined to disapprove of the things that God has approved of. Now, of course, there is a way that man will respond to the things that God has approved of. And that man will show that he is following that work. Now Sunday morning I will be preaching more in depth on this topic of how the Holy Ghost uh, is exposed in the things that God has laid his hand of approval on. And you don't want to miss that. This Sunday morning, that will be on uh, 10 15 23. But let's go here for this teaching. Our leadership denies often the parameters and, the, and identifies that sin is the real issue. Because of that, they refine their teaching to just the cross. We determine that the cross is all we need and that determination is made because sin is so prominent and prevalent. Then other things in life arise such as sickness or disease and since we misrepresented and misinterpreted the cross 
and the work of healing that is provided there, which is a uh, spiritual healing, and we begin to speak from our intellect and say, see, even the healing of the cross doesn't work in our day. The only healing that's available is the healing for the Spirit. You can be saved, as the message leadership gives you, but you will just have to deal on your own with the, Ill, the, the issues of sickness and disease. The leadership is quick to identify that the miracles, wonders, and signs of the man who was approved by God do not seem to be in operation anymore. Well, even the work we associated with healing is no longer working, they say. The problem is that we are misrepresenting the Word of God. We're misrepresenting the acts of Jesus Christ and the deeds of which Jesus accomplished. We're not exposing what is clear in Scripture. What is that? Jesus was a man approved by God. Where was he approved? Everywhere he went and in anything he did. He was approved as he lived. He was approved as he died. He was approved as he experienced the acts that began after the cross at the tomb. The work of resurrection was an approved work of God. The work in the tabernacle that was exposing Jesus to be the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, that work was approved by God. He was approved by God to be Lord. As a matter of fact, God gave him that exalted name as a sign of approval. And he was approved as the man being placed back in the Godhead bodily by what happened at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. There's not one place, not one action of Jesus Christ that exposed anything more than the complete approval of God upon what he was doing. But man, we want to disapprove of the actions and the works of which God has already stamped his approval upon. We want to determine in our world what we desire to approve of. Now why would that be? Well, because we refuse on many fronts to identify the actions of Jesus and to place those actions in a form of replication that is done in us by the work of the Holy Spirit. We refuse to correctly identify the plan of salvation as the approved plan of God as it relates to the relation, God's relationship to the believer. Because of a total lack of knowledge, we refute the acts of Jesus and show ourselves, in effect, to say that we, because we don't believe in the process that was exposed after the cross, that we do not believe in his deeds, 
what a tragedy that is. We would rather become debaters. We would rather choose upsides and become a discredit to the acts of Jesus as God himself cast the plan under which Jesus operated. We cannot from our debating or our natural nature ascertain why the cross has not seemed to solve the sin situation. We identify that sin is operating not only in the actions of man, but that sin has become increasingly, increasingly more and more evil as it is displayed in people. Consider our day. We have a display of evil that approaches us on a day-to-day basis with such things as abortion, the crime and death rate in our major cities, what we're seeing around the world as Hamas, which in Hebrew means violence, has cast its shadow upon Israel to the point that life and the life of babies were taken. Now our world has become much more deeply engraved and entrapped in the evils of sin. How did it happen, Pastor Mike? Simple. We begin to put other religions and ideologies and ideas in a position to be equal with the God of the universe. So sin becomes... Uh, and equal to the blood and the grace of Jesus Christ. When that occurs, sin goes off the rails because the natural lust and affection of man that Paul wrote about in Galatians chapter 5, well, they become so prevalent and so prominent that people lust for the violence. They're lusting for sin that is violent in nature. Why? Because it satisfies their need to have power, to have control, and most of all, to be in control of spiritual things or what they think are spiritual things. So by the destruction of someone whose ideology is not the same as mine, because we have put all on an equal shelf, but yet I think, I'm convinced, I'm birthed to be taught that my ideology is better than yours, and because of that, you are breathing air that belongs to me, and you have no reason to be here. So we choose up sides, and the violence of sin becomes so dramatic, and no one can figure it out. No one can come to a conclusion as to why it's happening. Well, it's happening, my friend, because our world is chosen to make all ideology, all religion, all of it, all the leaders of religion, to have equal footing. And the problem is that that is not the case. God is still the God of the universe. God 
has made a way for man to eradicate sin. But as long as those who choose to follow the ideologies of hate and violence are allowed to have equal footing, then hate and violence is always going to be the avenue they're going to choose. Why? Because it's the sin in them. No doubt about that. To those who preach only the cross then, this leaves them with the questions that they just don't speak out loud. It's questions such as, if the cross is what we believe it is, then why do those who have come to the cross struggle so desperately with sin? Why does the cross no longer seem to accomplish the freedom from the sin nature that we thought it was supposed to accomplish? Why, with the cross as the alternative, have people rejected the cross for a life of sin, for another ideology, for another religion? Why are people changing their minds concerning the church? and even concerning being a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, these are legitimate questions, and they all have a legitimate biblical answer. We, the ones who are to follow Christ, have delegitimized the actions of Jesus. How did we do it? We chose what of God's work we were going to approve. We abandoned what of God's work we were not going to approve. And we thought that because we did a portion of God's work, everything would fall into place. Well, my friend, uh, it doesn't take much of a genius to realize that has not been the way it worked out. We've determined in our circles that God did not approve of all of his works We've determined that God has redesigned his prior plan of approval in response to an ever-changing and very fluid world. We've determined that what God really does is that he based how he interacted with people upon the seasons, the times, and the circumstances, and these seasons, times, and circumstances altered his plans so that he... God could accommodate the moment. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. But along with the world that spews that they decide what real truth is, the media determines how they're going to cover truth. They determine how they're going to uh, force their version of truth upon those that may listen. In a world that decides their own reality regardless of what is actually being done and actually being seen. In a world that determines their own identity even down to the point of whether they're male or female. We have the opportunity to choose truth. To determine whether we approve of what God has approved of, or we're determining to, de to approve of our own truth. The church seems to be determined to develop their own truth 
concerning the prior plan that God has approved concerning his relationship to man. So what do you think God is saying now as he looks upon our man-made system of beliefs? Well, simply read what Jesus says about it to the churches in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 3, to Sardis and Laodicea. One was dead, and one was so vile that it was prepared to be spewed out of his mouth. As I said earlier, when debate is chosen as the means of defense, there will be nothing shared during the debate that will change the mind of the debaters. In this case, however, Jesus himself is speaking in Revelation 3. And he is the one that you doctrinal debaters are refusing to listen to. In my opinion, it is the tragedy of tragedies. We refuse his instruction. And we're doing it now. So certainly we will reject his instruction given to us prior to his calling every person before the judgment. The sadder issue is that countless millions have determined the side to which they will maintain allegiance. Some will say they don't approve at all of Jesus and choose an ideology of such things as a false religion, witchcraft, those sorts of things. Some will side with the doctrine that has the easiest method for them to be able to live their life and say that they know Jesus. The easiest possible way to do it. Some will side uh, with the leaders of which they follow. They will all stand before the judgment seat. <coughs> Excuse me, every person from every belief system will stand before the judgment seat and give an account of what they chose to believe. Now watch this. The question will not be, who taught you this? No, sir. No, ma'am. It will be simply, you must give an account for what you have believed. Not what your church taught. Not what you were grown up with. Not what your grandmother believed. Not any of that foolishness. You will be held accountable for your belief system. If we put the biblical knowledge of the acts of Jesus Christ on display in the heart and minds of the majority of our people, their understanding of it probably would not fill up a thimble. They would go to the cross and they would stay there. And they would remain in the cross and they would struggle their entire life with sin, sickness, disease, and other things that were associated with the curse. No, my friend. You're going to have to come into this thing and stand on your own. But you don't have enough biblical knowledge to do that. And in most cases, you won't listen to those who are operating in divine revelation 
so that they can lead you into the Word of God and into the revelation of Spirit so that you can come to the knowledge of truth. Not long ago in my church, I had an older couple come, and they were quite adamant about how much they enjoyed my preaching. My preaching was anointed and whatnot, but about the second time they came, there was a move of the Spirit. We watched to see what their reaction was. And naturally, their eyes were darting around the church looking at everybody to see how they were going to respond because you could tell that their doctrinal background in fact, had never seen, been engaged or involved with any such of a spirit-led display. So, they came back a third time, which I was shocked with, and we had another outpouring of the Spirit. Naturally, they never came back again. Why? Because their doctrinal beliefs had been told and taught that this was the activity of the devil, that this was wrong, that this was no longer a part of Scripture. And I will tell you right now, you will not find that God has changed the plan of which He approved. You will not find that God has changed the man of whom He approved. Therefore, the works that Jesus Christ did, the acts that he did, are as relevant today as they've ever been. But someone said, well, we just don't see those acts manifesting. Well, certainly you're not, because you're not in a place where they will. You're not in a church where the Spirit of God uh, is moving, where the anointed preaching of God's Word brings about a spiritual response. So certainly you're not seeing that. Certainly you're not seeing people healed. Certainly you're not seeing people delivered. Certainly you're not seeing people legitimately having their lives changed. That's not a God issue. That's not because God has chosen to deal with one church part different than the other. Do you know that since the church began, we have all operated from the same dispensation. This is the dispensation of grace. God is not changing his approved plan. Man is refusing the plan of God. What a sad thing. Countless millions are determining, decide, with those that they follow and those who have not rightly divided the word of truth. When you stand, you will not say, Now, listen, Lord, I listened to the great doctor so-and-so. I listened to the wonderful reverend. I give honor to my reverend. I followed the mega preacher or the faith healer. I went to church that was of this doctrinal structure or that belief system and they didn't teach me anything but a social gospel. 
They didn't teach me anything but a self-help theory or a self-motivation message or a once in grace, always in grace message or a message that says grace just covers it all. You know, Jesus, all we ever learned about was the cross. There was a story in, in our organization, not a story, but a true, true happening where one of our pastors was relieved from his duty because his board told him that they only wanted to hear a message about getting saved every week. Every week you preach on getting saved. <laughs> what a shallow relationship. And the problem is it locates you. It locates your shallowness. It locates your fleshliness. It locates your earthliness. It locates your sinfulness. It locates you. As on the, the, the measuring stick of the portions of the acts of Jesus, you reside at the very entry point of the things of which Jesus did for you. And you've stayed there. And you've remained there. What a sad thing. You're not going to come before him and say, you know, all I knew was the cross. I know, I know, I know I struggle with sin. And I know I confess, by, uh, but I was never able to possess this Jesus Christ. So I heard them say you operated in grace. So I throw myself upon your seat of mercy. Now, my friends, you can envision that as I speak it, but it will come out in a very similar way when many stand before Jesus. By the way, there are going to be a lot of preachers who spent their lives preaching and teaching the plan that was approved at the cross, but who denied and disapproved of the rest of the work that work that was approved by God of whom they say they served, but their eyes were blinded. They'll stand before him in an absolute stark contrast to the high-minded message of which they taught in their flesh. They will be responsible for spirits and souls of which they led astray because they rejected the truth that's found in God's extremely clear word. They'll be humbled. I pray that their irreverence, inability to rightly divide the word of truth, inability to see God's word in its reality, does not find them rejected. We know that Jesus told us of such when he said, Turn away from me, I never knew you. What a shame to live your life under a pretense simply because you refuse to do the simple things. Read. Pray. Listen. Receive revelation. Open your eyes that you can see and your ears that you can hear and your heart that you can understand. Get out of the commentaries that are written 
as monuments to the dead. Get out of the seminaries that are teaching you unscriptural doctrine that will hold both you and those of whom you attempt to bring that doctrine to in bondage, in captivity. Why, pastor? Because you have determined to disapprove of the things that God has laid his hand upon and sealed it with his sign of approval. Well, Pastor Mike, you would say, what if your message is wrong? And what if I really didn't need it to grow past the cross? Well, here's the thing. If their message is wrong, you place yourself vulnerable to everything the devil does. You place your physical self in vulnerability, your mental self in vulnerability, your personal self in vulnerability. You keep yourself in the earthy things. If their message is wrong, you are vulnerable on every hand to the inroads of the devil. But my friend, if my message is wrong, you have lived a life that has pursued the very life and actions of Jesus Christ. You have lived a life that believes in the works and replications of the Holy Spirit. You have lived a life speaking, being spoken to, being given divine revelation. You have lived a life growing in maturity into Christ Jesus and becoming the image of His dear Son. Now, as we contrast the two, if yours is wrong, vulnerability and a short-lived life can occur on your part. You can die early. You can be sick. You can struggle through life. And you may, at the end day, because God saw that uh, your vulnerability could not take you any longer. And so you may wind up with a shortened life. But that vulnerability is going to be one that's going to attack you on every hand. It's going to attack your husband. It's going to attack your children. It's going to attack your church. It's going to attack your finances. It's going to attack your job. All of this vulnerability is laid out there. Why? Because you have remained in the place of vulnerability. But, if you come over and begin to pursue the message that I'm preaching, then, friend, I just can't see where such a pursuit would be anything that would displease Jesus or His Father or the structure of the Godhead in general. Why? Because what you will have done is pronounce your seal of approval 
on the thing that he says he approves of. So I can only see Jesus expressing the thing that he said that he would reward you according to his works. So I feel certain if you would venture out into the truth of the word of God and look into the approved activities of Jesus Christ, God is going to diminish your vulnerability as you grow in Him. God is going to bring you into the secret place of the Most High as you come into Him. God is then going to reward you for your actions. Reward you for pursuing Him. In other words, bless you. He's going to build a hedge around you. He's going to put a fortress around you. He's going to be your shield and your buckler. He's going to drive away everything that the enemy would bring to you to harm you. Your vulnerability no longer is relevant or present because you resisted the devil and drew nigh unto God and he drew nigh unto you. I don't know about you, but I'm deeply engaged in spiritual things. And because of that, my vulnerability, my blind sides are far less. My areas where the devil could break in and attack me are far less. How about you? Where are you with this thing? Father, I pray in the lovely name of Jesus, you'll open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear. Now, hard that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us. May we choose to approve of your work and then pursue it with everything in us. We'll give you praise for it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, find Him as Lord. If you do, every knee will bow and every tongue confess His Lordship. Find Him as the man in the Godhead. And there you will find Him in His final approved work. And that will mean that you have come through every work and every action and every replication of the Holy Spirit until salvation has come to the step of complete wholeness. And when you get there, you will have worked out your salvation, have power to destroy the house of the wicked, and step on him from the foundation to the neck. That's what God wants you to do. May God bless you until we speak again.